just wanted to smack you with it. <laughs> like a good joke, I would have laughed. Matrix was here. He left too. If who was here? Matrix. Matrix. Commando quote. Come on, man. When's the last time you see Commando? Buckler's uh, bachelor party. Well, Commando is like one of those movies you have to see like at least fifty times to really like understand it. Oh, well, forty-eight to go. Why? Come on, man. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I can really watch Commando anytime. Never get tired of it. There's like a few movies like that. The Room, Commando. So we should just like play Commando and give our commentary over it live? Is that what you're saying? No, because you won't have anything of value to say. No, I got like the no, relative you... fresh uh, eyes. That's what, that's, what, that's what idiots always say. That's what people don't know things say to justify being in places they shouldn't belong to. <laughs> they shouldn't belong to? They shouldn't belong to. You don't belong here. <laughs> Exploding Barrel podcast for uh, November 28th. We'll call it 28th. You get up tonight? I might get up tonight. Yeah, well, guess what? If you got up tonight, you're just lucky. Uh, <laughs> we'll play the 28th. It's, it's a podcast for the future. Well, I remember there was a show. I cannot remember what it's called. Where like the guy got tomorrow's newspaper. Yeah, we were talking about this yeah. the other day. I don't know what it's, it's called. It's a good idea. It's clever. It's like, I, yeah, I get it. Uh, so yeah, anyways, we'll go, yeah, we're gonna talk about vegan stuff. I recently read the autobiography by of uh, Jean-Luc Picard, a book that I'm gonna actually pull so I can now know who the author is. Yeah, I was is. gonna say, because I don't think he actually wrote it, because he's not real. No, no, he didn't. Well, this guy did a very similar thing for Captain Kirk. I, I think but, he's, Were these, like, authorized, or did he make, like, just no, do it? No, Star Trek, I mean, Star Trek books are kind yeah. of a frivolous thing. They're, they're But I mean, like, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, like, it was like a guy on a blog making a thing, and he published right, it. Right, yeah, okay. yeah, it's an actual book. Just, just making sure. It's kind of the weird thing with Star Trek books, there's all these books... And they're like, none of them are really canon. Like, they're, it's like, they're as much canon as you kind of want them to be. Sometimes. I've read exactly one Star Trek book. It was called was IQ, which John Delancey oh, actually wrote. Right, yeah. And I very much enjoyed it. There was a lot of that. The guy who played Garrick also just like wrote a Garrick book. I guess they would well, know the character yeah, well, right? I mean, uh, William Shatner wrote some uh, James T. Kirk books, right? Well, see, John Delancey also narrated the audiobook, which I listened to after the fact. And uh, him doing his own Picard voice was pretty good. <laughs> I had an audiobook. I think it was only ever an audiobook. It was like Q versus Spock, and I never quite listened to it. But it's it's those two. It is yeah. like John, yeah, it's John uh, and C. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, so David A. Goodman uh, wrote this, this this book, uh, and I actually went through it pretty much in a day. It's uh, one thing I couldn't sleep, uh, <laughs> but I think it's pretty easy breezy reading. You know, it's fun stuff. So it's neat because it uh, yeah, it is like John Luke Picard writing his autobiography. Like where uh, where where is he in the present of this book? Old well, so it starts with like you know him uh, in France in his family's vineyard. So like that's a chunk of it, and a chunk of it's at the academy. Then a good chunk after that is kind of a er, very early Starfleet career, and then Stargazer. So a lot of it's Stargazer stuff, which is neat. Uh, then there's like a law there where he's kind of like meeting everybody he's gonna get on the enterprise D. and then the enterprise d section is interesting because it's a lot of things you know already well sure <laughs> but uh a little bit more we, we have some exposure to that yeah, time in his yeah. life labyrinth bit uh and then a bit of it at the end is kind of the uh what happened mostly following the, the continuity in that countdown comic series remember that oh cool so he was an ambassador oh, on, i like that on, on a vulcan and i don't know if i want to give away any other things but in case people were 
But yeah, so it was fun. It was a little cute. Uh, well, little, sure. It's a little Muppet Babies, right? Right, yeah. It's like, it's oh, like hey, fanboys. And some of that is established in the, the I can, show, to be I, fair. I can picture like Jean-Luc saying there, right, Tom? Remember the time when I did this cool thing? That was cool. Right. <laughs> like he somehow managed to run into every single person who was uh, a cast member in the original Star Trek, you know? <laughs> like, Mark or not, yeah. <laughs> some of it's, you know, it's a little fan service but it, 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 it was neat. Especially if you just like, like Next Generation or like that character a lot. And like, you almost can't get attached to the canonness of it too much because they can throw it away in a well, second. Sure. Or, sure. I don't even know if it ever really. But it does kind of fill in some gaps. Like there, there's like a series of Stargazer books. And I'm not going to read no Stargazer. <laughs> <laughs> I can read Why don't you one explain what Stargazer is? Because mm. I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it's it. It's like, uh, Picard's first command. It was kind of a rust bucket. He commanded it for 22 years. Wow. Uh, so for, for quite, it's a big chunk of his career. Uh, yeah, so it's where he gained a lot of notoriety. He started captaining it at a very young age due to uh, circumstances he learned about in the book. Um and notably, Jack Crusher also serves on that ship, Wesley Crusher's uh, father. Ah. So that's how he knows him. Uh, so yeah, that, that that was probably my favorite part of the autobiography, actually, was learning about uh, a lot of the Stargazer. It's, again, kind of talking about the continuity, like, there's those Stargazer books. They happened in the 2000s. I'm like, I think, looked online, like, are these, like, the same characters that they're talking about here? No. It's just, like, a completely different crew. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like, even amongst the books, like... If they want to, they can share continuity. Like like I said, the countdown thing. But, yeah. you know, they don't have to. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you very much. But it was still uh, fun. I think, uh, you know, if you're, like, a fan of Star Trek Next Generation, I think it's a fun read to go through. It kind of made me think. Uh, so, you know, that's night. I also just put up my Christmas lights. Usually I, like, watch a Christmas movie or something. But I was like, I want to watch Star Trek Next Generation. It's been a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which for me is, like, a year or so, maybe. But, um... It's, it's, I used to always just kind of go through the series. Right. And now, I'm, like, I've done just, that. You pick and choose. I've done that enough now that I am kind of playing. Like, I'm just going to watch some of my favorite episodes and stuff. And a lot of them were kind of things referenced. Like, the first one I watched was uh, Family, which is the episode after uh, Best of Both Worlds, mm. where uh, Picard goes back to his French village. Because a lot of the early book was about his relationship with his brother in that farm. So I was like, oh, I kind of want to watch this stuff again. And that is such a great episode. Uh it's kind of easy because it was one of the first times there was really a continuity, like besides just being a two-parter, where it was acknowledging the events of the previous episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this nice kind of like catching your breath, exam, like taking a pause, examining what's happening to people. Has that really nice B plot with Worf and his parents, mm-hmm. and they're t- also talking about his, you know, this commendation from the uh, the Klingon, so his dishonor and stuff. So it, it was nice because this is like at the point, um, this is a uh, beginning of season four where they're like. They have, like, kind of a history and a mythology that they can reference beyond just the original series, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, was, yeah, they got their own and that's stuff started, now. Yeah, that's why it got better, right? Yeah, like, when it was just, like, this was that thing from the original series, it's, like, kind of cute, but Star Trek tradition, it is weird how it became better as it became more detached from the original series. Right, right? yeah, it was able to create its own identity and, and not rely on, you know, what happened 20 years prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I was just kind of, like, watching, so I watched four episodes this that night, and, like, I... I was like, these are my favorite episodes. And a lot of them were just kind of Picard episodes, I realized. Yeah, it's usually the case. Mm-hmm. So are the other three. Good. Uh, I like episodes where Picard is, like, lecturing people a lot and is kind of, like, in an, in, like, an indignant rage kind of sometimes. <laughs> so, like, the dr- you know the drum head? This is a real good episode. It's, uh, Which one is this? So it's a bottle show. means it was filmed because, like, to save on the budget, we're just going to only use the sets we already have on the ship. Okay. Uh, and the point of it is there's a Klingon 
uh, who's like serving on the ship, like as an exchange thing and a medical role, and he's actually like giving away secrets to the uh, the Romulans. Dun, dun, so he's a traitor. So they find this out, and this retired admiral comes in to investigate this, and it, uh, it turns into a witch hunt basically. And she's like convinced that this one guy who lied about his grandfather being a Vulcan and said he was a, his grandfather's a Romulan. He said it was a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. So now they're like, this guy is a conspirator with him. There's no actual evidence of it. So it's like, again, it's just kind of like the Carthyism witch honey thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and like some people are going along, like Worf's kind of going along with it. And like a lot of it's just Picard, like, what have we become? And making grand <laughs> speeches. And, and it's so, it is just like, yeah, it's like so, so such a justice boner in that episode, man. So could we just pause for a second? Because like, it's kind of more of a common thing now. But it is kind of incredible that they got, like, this renowned Shakespearean actor to play this captain oh, right. in a campy sci-fi show. Especially because show. so different from, like, Kurt. And not only that, but, like, there was never, in all seven seasons, any hint that he felt it was beneath him. Yeah. He gave that role 110% every That's time. Nice, yeah. That's so, what made it so even good. Even early on, when, you know, like, there was a lot more cynicism behind this show, and it wasn't as re- revered yet. Yeah, right. He was always doing a great job. Mm. That's what, yeah, he's always just doing such a good job. So that, I like that episode a lot. Then I watched probably my favorite episode, Measure of a Man, which is very similar, kind of like Picard, you know, lecturing us about ethics and stuff. This is the one where uh, the scientist wants to disassemble Data. It says he's the property of Starfleet and Data can't refuse, refuse so he has to uh, kind of fight for it. And it was interesting because there's a, like a female officer, she's the JAG officer of the area, and they reference that she has a history with Picard in it, and they kind of like show that in that book oh that, yeah which is yeah so that was kind of neat like oh yeah here's some of this stuff uh so it's it it like a reference guide i was kind of watching some of these episodes just references <laughs> that episode is just so good just like i, I always had this weird thing for court, courtroom dramas probably for the same thing i just like the grand speech <laughs> right, right right and then the speech by picard at the end is is just he, is, he's like screaming at the guy you see he's already met two or three criteria for centuries what if he meets a third and a slice of bread what is he then i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah uh, <laughs> picard gets get mad <laughs> But uh, it's funny because like you think that should be it. You think like Measure Man's a date episode really is a Picard episode, right? Dave's just kind of like the part, like the, the bystander. Like, like, yeah, he's doing a great job. He's got some good scenes, but yeah, Picard's really carrying that episode. I like what I liked about that episode is the way it it like twisted Riker into not the villain, oh yeah, but the antagonist. Yeah, and they gave him something really interesting. It was cool because like half that episode he's not doing too much. And uh, like, all of a sudden, they kind of thrust him in that neat role where, like, he has to be the prosecutor. And if he doesn't, then it's just automatically going to be ruled not in yeah, Data's yeah. favor. And he makes, like, a really compelling yeah. argument, too, like, when he turns Data yeah. off. He also, oh. also has one of the nicest, like, uh, final scenes where it's like they're all having a party for Data and Riker's, like, sad in a room alone. And Data's like, oh, no, actually, you did the right thing, Riker. And Riker's <laughs> like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> like, yeah, they're nice. They're friends. Your, your Data voice is impeccable, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's exactly how Data talks. Like, hey, come on. <laughs> come on, Buckaroo, cheer up. Hey, it's all good. So, and that's, that's interesting, too, because that was an that was a season two episode, and typically season one season two episodes aren't great. Yeah, it's, like, it's, the ones. show took a little bit but, of yeah, time to get going. Yeah, but see, that, that was, like, the one I was like, oh yeah, they got this. Uh, <coughs> the last one I watched was uh, a bit different. Uh, kind of, it's called the uh, the Wounded. It's the first episode of the Cardassians actually ever, and the idea is that like the Cardassian War has been over, uh, and there's like this rogue Starfleet ship who's just attacking Cardassian ships, or this rogue Starfleet ship attacking Cardassian ships, and Picard has to go stop them. And Miles O'Brien served with this guy before, so he has to kind of like help. And this is like this thing about like you know. Uh, you know, the prejudices of, of who you're fighting against and transitioning to peace. And 
that kind of stuff. And it's uh, it's it's cool because it is one of the first episodes to like show us a bit more of uh, Miles O'Brien. We've had that before. Like he's married at this point. He's with Kate. Uh, Kate. I was gonna say something. I don't. I can't remember. Like, is there an episode where it's like Miles got his send off? The pilot is because he goes to the bridge of the Enterprise D in the pilot because the, the Enterprise D is docked on D Space Nine in the pilot episode for D Space Nine. Oh, okay. So yeah, kind of, right, only okay. Picard's there, but you know he says yeah. he. I was just Picard's trying to think. I was like, I can't remember like like a, a transition of him not being on the show anymore. I guess yeah, that it just kind of happened in the pilot. I, I I think they were very consciously at this point preparing for D Space Nine. That's why they were uh, introducing that's Cardassian. That same season they introduced Bajor. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the, the, a lot of that stuff. So it's kind of just neat to see him plant the seeds and the ways that the Cardassians are the same, but also kind of became all, all different and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, so uh, those were, like, the four that I kind of got to. But there's a lot of really good episodes of Star Trek Next Generation. I could have spent all day kind of picking through them. When you watch it on CBS All Access, do we know this or not? Is it the restorations they did? It's actually watching it on Netflix. Same thing, then. I mean, are I'm either... Not sure. I'm not sure because it's weird because, like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, this looks pretty good, but I'm yeah, not it's hard sure. To tell. Like, I can make out some details. I still love just when it's those models. They look so good. Oh, yeah. Especially when it's, like, those big space stations. Yeah, yeah. It looks so really, intricate. It, like, that stuff looks perfect. The only thing that looks, like, mildly dated is the warp effect where, like, they literally just kind of stretch the image of the Yeah, screen. yeah. Like, but whatever. I Like, that show visually holds up really well to me still for all the matte paintings and all that stuff and just the look of that ship. Uh, I love. I mean, part of it is just nostalgia. It's like going to your warm, happy place. <laughs> Were there any noticeable favorite episodes of yours that uh, I didn't you, watch? You it? sprung this on me, so I'm, I'm trying to remember everything. I, I mean, mean, I'm always a fan. Well, first of all, I, I, I like pretty much any Q episode. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Q fan, as you might have noticed from the one Star Trek book I read. Um, the Robin Hood one in particular stands out to Cupid. me. Cupid, Cupid, it's fine. Just because I, I, I very much like Worf saying, "I am not a married man." Yeah, kind of the big one I didn't watch yesterday was uh, The Inner Light, the mm-hmm. one where Picard like so lives through like a whole alien life kind of a thing, uh, which is a good-ass episode, but I've seen it quite a bit, sure. and I was like, oh, I don't get it. Um, also, it was, it's not like a very, it's it's so so little bit is on the ship, and I was kind of just like in a mood for like a Star Trek next generation on just the Just hearing ship. that like, that, that, that subtle background noise in the engine yeah, running. Yeah, I needed like, it. I needed it. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, Best of Both Worlds is probably my favorite you know, if you take part the one two and two. parter yeah. Um, it was really cool when they brought it to theaters, actually. That's that funny, because it does kind of ruin the, the cliffhanger ending when it just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> that was... Uh, the, it's just... Uh, that's that's such a good episode. The finale is also incredible. Yeah. That finale is good. It's a, it is a good finale, which yeah. is, is impressive, I, I think. I, um... I also like uh, I I love like the goofy Sherlock Holmes episode. I like a lot of the silly ones. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> well, it's just because like obviously these are all accomplished actors, and and there's a lot of serious episodes in the show that have a lot of deep themes, and there's a lot of character development, which is I think what makes the goofy episodes all the better <laughs> because it is like you know. Silly yeah. and fun. I think the other really good two-parter was Chain of Command. That's where Picard's tortured, and he's like, "There are four lights." Oh yeah, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 my, one of my favorite kind of just like high, like high concept sci-fi one is cause and effect where they're on the, the time loop thing at the end of the ship explodes every time. Oh yeah. And it was cool how there was that episode of the Star Trek Discovery, which basically had that same idea. Right, right, right. Like, oh yeah, sure. We'll do this again. This is the one where, where all the different dimensions of the Enterprise warp into one place. Well, oh, oh, that's, um, Parallels? Yeah. That's a good one. But then like, like the one ship is like. 
they don't want to go back to their dimension because like the, the Borg have took over and yeah, Picard's dead. And... They're crazy. Yeah, uh, that's an, yeah, that's another really uh, kind of fun one. Again, just kind of like a high concept thing. There's like some kind of silly, like there's Starship Mine, which is like the diehard Star Trek episode <laughs> where Picard's like alone on the ship when it's being like uh, scanned or something, and like these people are trying to sabotage it or steal something, and it's like him versus them. What's the one where he was stuck in an, uh, an elevator with disaster? I love disaster. That's yeah, disaster's just like there's like some sort of like power failure, and it's just like. There's like basically like five subplots with like the people stuck in different places and it kind of follows each of them. That's really neat. That's a really good like example of how the ensemble works too because mm-hmm. you kind of go to all these different places. Yeah, it's funny because like they talk about it in Discovery how like this is the first time like a captain wasn't the main character and blah blah. But it's like the captain's never the main character. Maybe maybe you could say there's like a more of a focus. Like they get more episodes. Yeah, I mean, I I, Picard, I would say Picard's still the main character. Uh, I, I get what you're kind of saying. It is a well, it's it's kind of, it's pretty ensemble ish, sure, but there definitely is a focal character, and Discovery is the first time where it's not like it definitely isn't the captain. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's true. So, there's something to that. <coughs> so, all right, so yeah, Star Trek Generation is fun stuff. What have, have you been playing? Anything interesting, Andrew? Yeah, so I uh, started Assassin's Creed Origins, mm. and uh, I am very into it. Really? Like really into it? I'm only kind of into it. I, I think I think part of it has been the time away. Not only just the year they took off, but like the relative little of yeah. Origins and Syndicate I played. Yeah. Like, um, so that's helped. How far are you? Uh, I just... Uh, I'll keep it vague. I'm about to go to a big city. I haven't clicked the quest to actually go there. That's the last thing I did. Spoilers. It's ancient it's Egypt. It's Alexandria. Why is that a spoiler? I don't know. <laughs> what big city do you think it is? Giza? But, I don't know. <laughs> it's the other Egyptian city. Yeah, yeah, right? I, I'm in Alexandria, and I like it was actually it was my high point at first. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm like get to walk around Alexandria." I walked up to the lighthouse. I went to the library. It was really uh-huh. cool. Then there was like some some quests I did there. Where I realized like these actual what times I'm doing these quests themselves. They aren't actually fun. It's like talk to this person, go over here and walk, talk to this person, go kill this one person. Uh, there were some quests in there where I had to drive carriages. And I saw your complaints about carriage that. Carriage controls were just some of the wonkiest, weirdest things. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's like I'm playing this. It's like nothing. It's, it's all fine. But I'm just like, uh, are you telling me I'm gonna like it less once I get going more into the game proper? I don't know. I was kind of feeling that way already. Because <laughs> what I really like, I like the combat system the when combat they change is, it. Really it, nice. it was weird at first using like the right bumper and right triggers your attacks, but I've adjusted to it pretty well and what's nice when you're playing with the elite controller because like a is like your ascend button and b is like your descend basically i have a map to the two paddles in the back the top and bottom so like it kind of makes sense in in that sense in that sense no i mean it's not bad it's just i'm not i I like how how super again there's so many games to play right now i like how the paper doll sheet is just destiny the what now? Like your inventory. It's just destiny. Oh, yeah. Like just straight up destiny. But I like you like you well, I like the RPG. I like yeah, the RPG the bits of it are really, really good. Um I guess I guess yeah. part of it's just such a fatigue with that kind of game. Like I guess I just haven't played one in a while like that. Yeah, so. I mean because like, I don't play Far Cry's, I didn't finish Horizon. I'll tell you what, I just know like I have so little interest in Far Cry. Unless people are like, no, this is actually like incredible. I'm I don't, prob- I don't if it comes out with like eighties even, I'm like, no, I don't yeah, care. No, yeah. I just don't care right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far, like I said, uh, I, I am very much enjoying it. Uh, I also, <laughs> I started up Rise of the Tomb Raider. Cause oh I'm, my gosh. Well, because it was cheap nowhere. and I got it on my One X. And it's actually like a really good showpiece for the, the, the console because it has three graphic settings. Like the 1080p unlocked frame rate. It's not a lock 60, but it's like higher. Um, 
there's the 4K lock 30 mode. And then there's like the checkerboarding mode, but it turns on more of the like advanced graphic things. Mm-hmm. Um, that also runs at lock 30. So that's like what I actually have been leaving it on. And God, it just looks so good. It looks really, really good. Probably doesn't look as good as Uncharted 4. Uh, it's it's, it's mm-hmm. probably as good. No. Nope, nope, Probably nope. is good. Newy, newy, easy. Um, also, again, I've been dabbling. It was like Black Friday week, so like I got a bunch of games cheap that I know That's I like. Good because you've, play, you've played through so many already and oh, beaten shut them up. all. <laughs> uh, I started Wolfenstein, and oh, you know, well, you're not into it. Everyone seems to love Wolfenstein. The shooting is not good. It's I not heard good. That, which strange. It feels like there is zero aim assist. I think is part of the problem. Oh, you're playing on a console. Yeah, I'm playing on the Xbox. Right. There's like it just feels like there's no aim assist and I can't shoot shit. The the biggest problem is there's it's there's terrible feedback for when you're getting shot. Mm. And it you it's the old school health and armor system, you know? Yeah. I'll be like in the middle of a gunfight thinking like, hey, everything's great, and I just die. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know I was getting shot. Like, what the hell just happened? Like, I'm to the point where I'm ready to jack down the difficulty and just be like, whatever. Like, the world is cool. The Graphically, it's very good. Yeah. It's just the, the gunplay, especially when you're playing something like Destiny, it just doesn't compare, which which is... And it's weird, too, because, like, the gunplay in Doom is incredible. It's the same engine. How do you feel about uh, some of that stuff going on with Destiny, with, like, the XP? Like It's so stupid. Like It's so weird. Like, what do you do? It's, it's weird how Bungie will sometimes do the sabotage there. Game. It's this kind of circle back on this Battlefront 2 loot crate thing. It's like, how do they think they're going to get away with shit like this in, in the age of the internet, in the age of internet rage? Like, yeah, right. just don't do dumb shit. Like, what? And, I, you know, it's like, clearly it's like, oh, we want them to buy more Bright Engrams so we can't give away too many. Like, who fucking cares? Like, I'm not going to buy Bright Engrams. I'm just not. It's not going to happen ever. No, and there's I, no I'm reason sure that's to. The I get case. enough of them. I'm sure that's things. the case for 95% of the people playing. The 5%, it doesn't matter how quickly they get them for free. They're going to buy them anyway because they just want to have everything. It's, just like it's like, worth what are you afraid of if I get them 25% faster? Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. I just, oh, it's, it's stupid. It's and then <laughs> You saw this meme where... They were showing some of the the new content in the the, the whatever of Osiris yeah. and uh, Deej, the community managers up there, and, and they're it's some kind of new massive public event that they're showing off. And he talks about how this is going to be the most rewarding content ever in Destiny. And he finishes it, opens the chest, and gets two tokens in a blue, which was like hashtag two tokens in a blue was trending on Twitter after this event. And it's uh, like so funny. It's like, why? See, my problem is with the that? loot isn't even that. Like, I get enough loot. My problem is that I also like there's not enough of it. There's not enough high rolling. Like, it's almost never too much of a moment where I'm like, oh wow, this dropped. Like, I'm already at a point where like, oh, an exotic drop. That's kind of nice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, the only loot that would slightly matter is some of the raid loot uh, right now, I guess. Yeah, uh, there's like there's like one more exotic I'm waiting for to drop that I want for my hunter, and like once I have that, it's just it's just a matter of power level like i don't like the perks don't even matter so much anymore <clears throat> mm-hmm. so yeah there is something there's something missing from the progression right now that's well it's like i i can understand the exotics being set in stone i can kind of understand the legendaries but like for the blues i understand why they don't do like a keyword system like well, world of warcraft just let it be well, all the kinds blues of are irrelevant stuff. though anyway even the purples that. then like Maybe. You just need guns. I mean, that can turn to its own problem, which, like, that happens with other RPGs where if there's a very, like, maybe one of them will have more of, like, I don't know, less recoil, more damage or whatever. Like, people just find out one of those is the best in terms of thing where you get the gun you want and then you feel bad. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if you need to have, like, some high roll, like, 
maybe some like cosmetic things like if, like even if it's just like hey there's like a chance you can get this one ship in this one place and it's like rare but when it happens it's cool yeah kind of like, ships like are pretty you... much only from the uh bright engrams yeah no they're so. they're only from the bright engrams yeah yeah same so. thing with like sparrows i mean that's the thing and I, I i get i get it this stuff is in the bright engrams but it could be reward content like you're saying where it's like hey if you complete this weird chess quaint chess quest chain um you'll get like a cool exotic sparrow like people yeah. would do that yeah i mean absolutely I, it's worth, like, I, i've been playing a lot but still, like i've been playing obsessively and i'm 304 right now so like i'm one like item upgrade away from being 305 and all, what, what's the difference really right so like i basically like have done it in yeah. a month so i under, and i understand why the console players who are like more than a month ahead uh, head star on us are kind of like what am i even supposed to be doing right now right i mean that's part of what i do like about the game is that i don't feel this like like need that because i'm not playing six hours a day every day i'm behind sure. so it's great for me but yeah, i can understand why the hardcore players are like uh and i'll tell you what board i kind of feel like well is curse of a is going to be enough and how long is it going to be between that and the next expansion three months four months like three months again of whatever that drops like one raid thing and like two new strikes. The problem how, is, how much smiles are you going to get out of that? They need they need to be doing what World of Warcraft does, where in between your expansion drops, you have no. like dungeons and things that come out. They well, they kind of do that with the first game where they did like the sparrow racing, but like the problem is just like part of the appeal of Disney too is that it's this high content quality. Like it looks like what like new. Uh, Halo would have looked like, right? Like, the production mm-hmm. values are insane, but because the production values are insane, it takes a while to make it. Right. So that's why, like, you just won't ever have, like, as, that's why it will never be, like, the size of World of Warcraft, even though, like, that'd be no, awesome. Well, the world would be the size, but, again, but like, even, like, reproaching drop it a new strike every something. so often. Like, there's gotta right. be a way to roll I mean, those like, out. there's, like, four strikes. Yeah, I mean, I've already done each strike. Does, like it doesn't strikes. help that, what, there, how many strikes are in the game? Five? Six? I think there's four or five. And one of them is one PlayStation them, exclusive? So that's so dumb. Especially when you're on three platforms now. Yeah, that's... It, ridiculous. Boy, Sony really screwed him over on that. But yeah, like, that's such a... That, that, that's not, like, getting an exclusive gun skin, which is what most of these games do. It's... Get 20% of the game. That's pretty, that's pretty major content. Yeah. A, a single strike is kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, where it's like, I really like the game. I have fun, but there is, it's just like a, this constant challenge of it, and they seem to fumble it. They communicate very badly. And that, that I think that's the biggest issue. Their communication is awful. Right. Awful. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's another story I could talk today about just, like, some of that communication stuff. Like, they're supposed to have another, like, stream event where they're going to talk about things more, talk about these community concerns. Yeah, it's but... supposed to be Luke Smith himself and the, the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's, it's just I said this about the first game, and I think it holds true. I can't believe no one's done this yet. I'm sure he could go back to old one-up years episodes and find Luke Smith complaining about World of Warcraft and, like, cut the audio together so it sounds like he's bitching about current-day Destiny. Oh, I'm sure. Like, easily. Easily. Oh, easily. So there we are. That's it. I still enjoy it. We, oh, it's you know, so we fun. Most man. nights, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good the game. Weekly reset's nice because it gets so much stuff right away. In fact, if I go on today, I bet I might get a... Probably um, got like two uh, purple waiting for you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, any other crazy deals you got over Black Friday, I mean, Cyber I Monday, all that fun? I mean, I got a lot of... Well, you already got all the games. Pretty much. <laughs> I got a lot of things to play. You jackanapes. Oh, you know. Alright then, well, thanks for listening to the Exploding Barrel Podcast, everybody. You can find more of us at ebpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to go to the Apple Podcast page and the Google Play Store. Give us a review. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week right here in the Exploding Barrel Podcast. Bye-bye.